Lions fans. It's time for the podcast you've been waiting for. The show where Kool-Aid runs blue, faces turn red, and rose-colored glasses never go out of style. This is the Detroit Lions Podcast. Welcome to the Daily DLP. I'm your host, Ash Thompson, and today we are going on our weekly trip around the division. Quick reminder that if you like what's happening with the Detroit Lions Podcast YouTube channel, the number one most important thing you could do for us is like and subscribe to that YouTube channel. The cash that greases the wheels and keeps the lights on comes pretty much from one place, and that's it. You could also help us out by signing up for the Patreon, which gets you access to the DLP Slack chat, the most intelligent Lions chat on the internet. And you know how low that bar is. So don't be shocked when you come in, and it is not always an intellectual discussion. (laughs) Better than various places I won't name right now. For five bucks a month, you can have a better conversation than that with me and the other hosts of various programs occasionally. As their time allows. If nothing else, you get some really uncensored draft takes from Riz, and there is a channel that is nothing but posts of relevant lines and NFL news, pretty much as it happens with no commentary. We might talk about it in the regular chat, but if you're just looking for a quick summary of the things that actually happened in the day, most days you can just flip over to that channel and you're basically caught up. So on to the NFC North. Everyone's had their bye week now. So there are no half game leads or anything like that. Uh, Everyone has now played 12 games. There was only one game this week other than the Lions game uh, with the Bears and Vikings both having the week off. So I'm going to do something a little bit different since I don't have games to talk about this week. I'm going to do a little bit of a kind of state of the union for each team right now. Because 12 games is basically the three-quarter mark of the season. I'll likely do one of these for the Lions next week. uh, After they've played the Bears for the second time in four weeks. Uh, The Lions got all they could handle in that first game with a bunch of defensive changes from the Bears. So I'd like to see before I comment on the general state of the team heading for the playoff push. Kind of how they adjust to the Bears. I'm sure that makes sense. Uh, (laughs) So I'll do the rest of the division uh, from bottom to top. The Chicago Bears are four and eight and fourth in the division, but they really have no reason to hold anything back on this stretch run. Uh, Head coach Matt Eberflus has done a remarkable job getting to this point. And you're looking at that record and going, Ash, what are you talking about? He should probably be fired. Uh, Four weeks in, this was the worst team in football. Without reservation, I I will not put any caveats on that. Like, I don't mean they were a bad team. I mean that after their week four game where they lost to another 0-4 or an 0-3 team, there really was no doubt that every person in this entire organization needed to be fired. Like, scorched earth, nobody survives. But a funny thing happened on the way to the firing line at the end of the season. The Bears are 4-4 four and four since that terrible start. Since having their defensive coordinator just quit. Running an offense 
that is best described as a Texas high school offense and, and not a good one. Like they beat the Panthers, they beat the Raiders, they beat the Commanders, and they beat the Josh Dobb Vikings. I am not saying that they are playing like a playoff team, like a team that should be threatening the wild card because they're not. But they're also definitely not the worst team in football. Like that's the Panthers, and I don't think that's even close. Which is the first reason the Bears need to be going all out. Like there should be no talk of tanking among Chicago's even their most idiotic fans shouldn't be talking about things like that. Because they have the Panthers' first round pick, which is almost certainly number one or two in this draft. What they need to do is they need to get the information they need about Justin Fields. And if three years in, Justin Fields still can't run a complete NFL offense, if he's the reason that this Texas high school offense has been happening, that you know your answer. You make him Taysom Hill in the last year of his rookie contract uh, for the beginning of the Caleb Williams and Drake May era of Chicago Bears football. Uh, but that's the GM and ownership perspective. Matt Eberflus has no motivation to push anything on fields that he can't handle. He's trying to stay employed after the season. And winning games is how you do that. Like overloading fields is not the path to victory for the Chicago Bears this season. So the Bears will likely still have massive question marks going into the offseason. I suspect they'll do the same thing that's failed for the Bears before. They'll win a couple more games, fool themselves into thinking that they have turned the corner and they're on the right track after having been the worst team in football last year. They'll draft a quarterback for a coach that's shown no indication he has any will or skill in getting quarterbacks developed. They will irreparably harm that quarterback's development by making him learn a new offense every year for the first three years of his career with new coach after year one and new offensive coordinator probably after year two. And then they'll draft another guy two coaches from now <laughs> leading into a complete regime change where they'll do the same thing over again. I forget what movie it was where they kept talking about new generals coming in and changing everything in Afghanistan and really just everybody uh, doing the exact same thing they'd always done because they knew this guy was going to be gone before any real consequences were going to happen. That's where the bears are at right now. The best thing they could do, and it might end up being the worst thing they could do also, is probably just to have continuity with Eberflus. Uh <laughs> And right now, that's a guy fighting for his professional life. Uh, the Bears have seven interceptions in their last two games. That's that's the kind of thing he's pulling out on defense to keep this team in, in games. The Vikings are also at a quarterback crossroad. See that? That's called a segue. Um, I don't think the Vikings would have a better record with Kirk Cousins right now healthy than they do. At least not by much. They might have like one more win, but they would have hope going forward, and they do not right now. Like losing to the Bears on Monday Night Football the way that they did going into the bye week, like Josh Dobbs got completely exposed for the absolute fraud that he was. Like and we'll see if they can pivot 
but it seems extremely unlikely that they're coming back from that because they tried to do things that were outside of the really basic offense that they had been running with Dobbs and basically having him play hero ball. Well, that's the thing. He's just a guy. Is what it is. He'll be a valuable backup in the league for years, but he's not a starter. Is what it is. Like, this was the first team of 2023 to lose a game without giving up a touchdown on defense. And that, my friends, is how the locker room is lost. <laughs> like, this defense is legit. This is a playoff team defense by itself. It is possible they drag this team kicking and screaming into a wild card berth. That's still a possibility at this point. I don't see it, but it, it could happen. Like on the, the offense is just a pile of trash without Kirk Cousins in there making it not that. Uh <laughs> they can't run the ball. They can't do anything interesting passing the ball. They they have continued to hemorrhage turnovers at just an unbelievable pace. Like they had to work so hard to lose that game against the Bears. Like basically Dobbs is just being asked to lift the team onto his shoulders and carry them to victory week in and week out. And, and they don't have an offense because he can't run the offense that everyone else on this team practiced and brought into existence right up until the point where Kirk's calf folded up on the back of his leg with the, the busted Achilles. Like Justin Jefferson will probably be back soon, you know, like, and then the Vikings are going to have like a set of skill position players that any starting quarterback would drool to have out there. At least receivers and their, their running backs are bad. But as far as receivers go, which is what the quarterback is generally a little more concerned about, you can't really do better than what they've got. It's like there's a, probably someone in the league who has a better set, but off the top of my head right now, I can't think of anyone with a better skill position group. Yeah, probably Miami. But that's that's it. That might be the whole well, and maybe Philadelphia. Yeah, okay, we could do this for a while. You get what I'm saying, though? The Vikings have, like, maybe not the top, top, top tier, but like the second tier of skill position guys and nobody to get them the ball. That's not going to go well. Like, unlike the Packers, the Vikings did not have anyone waiting in the wings for their aging quarterback. Like, they tried to patch it with Dobbs at the trade deadline, but they probably would have been better off letting this season go and getting to the draft in a spot where maybe Jaden Daniels would have been available to them. And instead, they're going to be looking at the cavernous drop-off from QB3 in this draft, which that's where I have Daniels, to QB4 which is a giant pile of it doesn't matter whose name that is, they are probably not a starter in the NFL. Look, it, whatever that is, just does not seem to be there with a fourth guy. That's my opinion at this point. I'll watch more tape later. I might change my mind. But they'll basically be deciding whether they're going to like the player who's available somewhere between picks 10 and 15. And they probably won't. <laughs> At least it's it's nowhere near as good as what would have been available if they were the four-win team right now. 
like the Vikings are dead in the water, the oars are broken, and they're relying on divine intervention for aid. They were the second best team in the division. Now I have it at about 60-40, to be entirely honest, whether they actually finish ahead of the Bears. This is a team going down. And that takes us to the Packers, who are also 6-6, six and six, technically right now by various tiebreakers, third in the division, but reality is not what matters here. I say they're second. Do you remember in week three when I told you the Packers offense was a fraud and the league was about to catch up with him and that's when we'd find out whether Jordan Love actually had it in him to be an NFL starter based on how this offense was able to recover from those weeks of looking really, really bad? No? You weren't listening or watching at that point? Well, feel free to go back to those early season around the divisions and, and check my receipts. The league did figure Love out. And sadly, the Packers have successfully pivoted. Turns out Matt LaFleur is a very good offensive coach. And Love learns well on the job under pressure. Like, I'm not saying he's playing mistake-free football, though he's made a lot fewer mistakes recently. All I'm saying is that the Packers won't be drafting his replacement in 2024. The Packer on a well-earned three-game win streak. Well, okay. We all saw the uncalled pass interference at the end of the Chiefs game that just handed the Packers the game on a silver platter. But I digress. By hook or by crook, the Packers, I mean, it was by crook, but the Packers are on a three-game win streak and they are as hot as Hansel right now, which is a reference that's probably too old for some of you. They have a young wide receiver group that's incredibly physically gifted. They have a defense that can keep them in any game by not give, they're just they're just not going to get blown out very often so they'll always have that puncher's chance i don't see a future where the packers don't end up second in this division short of a jordan love injury which would be catastrophic because like they are super hot right now they are going streaking the packers and vikings are like two planes in a near miss at an airport with one taking off and the other landing in the same space the state of the Packers is that they appear to have a very bright future going forward because all of their receivers are also first and second year players that are starting to get their feet under them in the league. I hate everything about what I just said, but that does not make any of it less true. So the Lions are first in the division. They have the most points scored, but the second most points against as well which that should not be surprising to any of us. The Vikings are technically listed as second in the division, tied with the Packers at 6-6. Six and six. The two teams are within five points allowed and scored. They're basically occupying the same space right now. But the Packers are on the way up, the Vikings are on the way down. The Bears are also a team in the NFC North with the lowest points for and most points against, running out the clock on the season that was legitimately done four games in. And that's the state of the NFC North. Tomorrow, we'll take a look at the numbers, grades, scheme stuff, and more from the Saints game on Sunday. Then I'll let you know how well you should be. Probably tell you to calm down really condescendingly, too. See you then! Let's bring it here together. Let's go. 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 Let's go.